slip your headphones on. I'll be your radio. And if you turn me on, how would you ever know? This was a conversation I was able to have with J.R. Blackwell and Jared Axelrod. Unfortunately, there was a lot of wind, but still good conversation. Hope you enjoy it. J.R. Blackwell and Jared Axelrod. <laughs> hey guys, I'm here with the absolutely awesome Jared Axelrod and J.R. Blackwell. Hello. Hello. It's J.R. Blackwell, not the senior. And we're <laughs> with with Baltic. Someday Con- you need to come as S.R. Blackwell. <laughs> Ooh, you, you have to wear sleek black. Right. Yeah. Maybe when I get older. <laughs> oh. That'd be good. Being such a looming major event coming up, we obviously, Christiana and I did not sit down and, and write an episode of Wrecking Me the Outcast, but what I wanted to do is I wanted to find awesome people and just talk comedy with them. What makes them laugh? Well, you, obviously. <laughs> well, that's, You're a funny man. That's the correct answer. Thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate it, guys. <laughs> uh, well, no, well, what kind of things uh, do you guys find funny now as adults compared to what you found as funny as a, as a child? Uh, I still find a lot of things I found funny as a child funny now. Um, so that's true. I mean, Pratt Falls are still hilarious, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but I'm I'm a lot more into wordplay now than I was as a kid, and and that kind of that kind of like very subtle wit, the, the dryness that I didn't get as a kid at all. I mean, dry wit goes right over a child's head. You get like, hey, well, what's funny about that? <laughs> didn't even use inflection. <laughs> That's not that's not funny. There was no fart in there at all. Right. <laughs> See, an appropriately used fart joke can still be funny. It, indeed. <laughs> indeed. So that that's a big difference. Now, you're talking wordplay, not necessarily a pun. Not No. Well, puns are never funny. That's the thing. They're, they You groan, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, yes, a pun. <laughs> and it's, it's, never, it's never funny. Um, it's only funny to the teller for some reason. It's like jazz that way. Mm-hmm. I found that sometimes the juxtaposition. <laughs> I've never found jazz funny. Um, right. The- <laughs> right, but the performers do. It's hilarious. They're like, why is-, <laughs> why is that fu- note funny as opposed to all the other notes well, I don't I mean, if you're understand. a jazz musician, you know that. Well, it must be. Well, it's a lot like uh, P- uh, Paul F. Tompkins talked about it. It's a lot like a location joke, mm-hmm. where jazz isn't, isn't something that is particularly entertaining to smart people. Because, you know, it's, it's like a location joke. You're either there or you're not. You can enjoy the process, but it's not funny. <laughs> it's interesting that this comes up now because recently we've just started listening to a lot of comedy. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of uh, stand-up comedians. We've really mm-hmm. been getting into listening to them. Because um, recently we found out that the way one way we can keep our house clean <laughs> is by listening to comedy. Because both of us 
hate to clean, and it makes us sad <laughs> when we do it, so we avoid it. But we found you that come into we, the room and there's just this mess, and, and you're like, it's oh, your fault. <laughs> I can't blame this on anyone. I should have done this weeks ago. <laughs> and you just get sad. But if comedy's playing while you're cleaning, then you're right. la- you don't have time to get sad because you're laughing the whole time. Now, what I imagine at your guys' house is that there's going to be script, uh, scraps of leather, scraps of paper, felt, a body part hanging out here and there. We try to keep that to the basement now. Oh, okay. and, and this year we've actually been really good at that. So if you came into our house, unlike in years of Balticon previous, it's not like a Muppet exploded. <laughs> uh, but if you go down to the basement, you, you see a little bit more of that. But the the, uh, the above basement, ground, you mean the people who live below you, yeah? I mean the dungeon. Oh, okay. I right. mean the dungeon. Oh. And then there's the sub-workshop, and then there's where we keep the rocket cars, and then... <laughs> that's a mess, but... The real question is, fireman's pole down to the bottom, or some kind of a vacuum tube set up? Both. Awesome. I mean, the fireman's pole's for when we need a costume change. Oh, sure. Right, but if we just need to get down there quickly, we use the <laughs> Have you guys ever gotten the poles mixed up? Gone down the wrong way? No, they're labeled. Oh, okay. <laughs> One day, you're right. I always wanted to see Batman. One episode where he's just like hung over. Because uh, obviously, his parents were brutally murdered in front of him. I'm sure he's a bit of a drinker from time to time. And he's just blurry eyed. Next thing you know, he comes down with. Well, see, the, that only has to happen once. And then you're like, <laughs> labels on the poles. <laughs> Bruce Alfred, we're, Dick. All right, we're good. I don't know. I'm feeling kind of mean today. What's wrong, Paul? <laughs> So we've been listening to a lot of Patton Oswalt, mm. Maria Bamford, Aziz Ansari. Bamford, nice. Really, Aziz Ansari, I cannot get behind that guy. You can't get behind really? that guy? I don't know. I mean, it's hilarious. I mean, part of it is, what's so funny about Aziz is when he talks about messing with his cousin on Facebook, because we've all messed with relatives on Facebook. <laughs> oh, sure. And, so, and he just takes it that next level. Mm. And you're like, oh my god, I should, that's hilarious, I should totally do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's more of an instructional kind of thing. But I do think that Maria Bamford is my favorite. Oh, Maria I mean, Bamford's she's great. She's really, really funny. Um, and Mike Perbigula. Mike Perbigula. like Mike Perbigula. And, and one thing that they seem to say a lot is that comedy... Their own comedy comes out of um, their own anxieties, their own misery, their sadness, mm-hmm. and it's like a way of, of coping with that. Um, I think you guys would really enjoy uh, Mark Marin's podcast, uh, WTF Pod. And he had an interview with Maria Bamford when they were driving back from, I believe, the Aspen Comedy Festival fairly huh. recently. It was astounding because those two talk about neuroses, and it is hilarious, oh, and, and you learn so much from it. And actually, uh, he recently, just this past weekend, uh, he did an interview series with Carlos Mencia where he interviewed him, and something just didn't sit right with it. He felt that Carlos had an agenda. So the next episode, he uh, contacted a few other uh, comics in the Latino set and got their takes on things, and these were people that had toured and were former friends of Carlos Mencia, and then he brought Carlos back on again to kind of rebut those things. And Mark Marin just went absolute investigative reporter, and it was astounding. Wow. And it, it was just one of those things where every time you think, like, okay, well, you know what, maybe Carlos, is a, he's kind of turned a, a new leaf. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll, he'll say something... You know, uh, like yeah, and they're lucky that I didn't have all my buddies who wanted to kick their asses do it. And you know, it was it was because I told them no, I don't want to cross that line, but they wanted to. And it's like, oh, no, you really are a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> so, what other stand-up comedians you guys been digging? Um, Brian Posen. We've been mm-hmm. enjoying Brian oh, yeah. Posen. Nerve rage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that um, Persian. Oh, Maz Jabrani. We love Maz Jabrani. Maz Jabrani. Who? Maz Jabrani. He did a tour with um, 
it, they called it the uh, the Axis, Axis of, of Evil. Evil comedy tour because they had Monster Brownie, who's from Iran, and then a bunch of other. They were Middle Eastern comedians. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just remembering Maz because he he talks about being Persian. That's his whole thing. <laughs> but they, who is it? Was like uh, I can't remember the other. They were all hilarious. Mm-hmm. They had like a, a Korean on there, and it was, oh, it was great. It was a great tour. And so we got that DVD, and then we just fell in love with Maj Jabrani, who is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, if you saw Better Off Ted, oh yeah, he was Doctor Bamba. Oh, okay. I didn't know that he was a he was a stand-up. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. He's great. He's great. Um, so we listen to him a bunch. Um, I really like it when people talk about um, culture. I think in comedy. And they turn so, cultural things. Oh, it's weird. We've been watching mm-hmm. so many comedians. We've been listening to so many comedians, and because of that, and because we like them, they're all kind of similar styles of comedy. So that you see a lot of not necessarily the same jokes, but the same setups. Mm-hmm. Like fear of bears is apparently big with this <laughs> of comedians. I say Colbert is to re- is responsible for that. He may be, or maybe he's just part of the wave. Uh, I maybe, mean, maybe. He maybe may be caught in it. He's either he's either the earthquake that caused it, or just a surfer on the top of it. Apparently, when you go to Alaska and see go to a bear park to see bears, apparently if a bear attacks or something, you're supposed to play dead. Three comedians have made jokes on this, mm-hmm. and I understand that because that's a, that's a funny element. But it's just weird. It's like, wait a second. It's such a stock premise. Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> it, it is now. <laughs> so, what does a bear feel about airline food? <laughs> just wait for the blending of them at some point in time. What's up with bears? Well, <laughs> and What's I, the deal with bears? Are they always after honey? I think the interesting thing is that like it that they will come at things like from a different perspective mm-hmm. and, and so sometimes you'll hear one comedian like I was thinking about like Patton Oswald has this really great joke where he talks about texting his wife and how when he texts his wife like his cell phone you know fills in the next word mm-hmm. so like he whenever he, he so his wife texts him I love you and then he texts her back I and then the next word that pops up is hate and then he ends up <laughs> Sending that by accident, <laughs> and that's pretty funny. And then Aziz Ansari has an, a very similar, similar setup where he ta- he's talking about texting, and he's talking about texting his friend who's mm-hmm. gay, and he says he's like, "Hey, I'm good. Uh, hey, sorry, I can't meet you at the bar. I'm going to meet the hit. I'm going to hit the hay." And he was like, "Instead, my text said." Hey, sorry, I can't meet you at the bar. You fucking faggot. And he's like, no. And I was like, so the, the great thing is, is you're expecting another kind of joke because you've heard a comic make a similar joke mm-hmm. before, and then it sort of like turns it on its head. And so I think the unexpected, or like expecting something to happen and then have it be turned on its head, is really funny. You know, the, the, you actually brought up something rather interesting. Um, we're starting to see, and I think you guys would be really great to talk about it. We're starting to see a trend in a lot of comedians that words that were very taboo. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, words that have an extremely negative connotation. Uh, right. Like, like in that joke, the, the word faggot. Right. And it seems like like that's starting to seep into a lot of stand-up comedy. Yeah. You know, uh, people in conversation, maybe not so much, but in stand-up where you're in front of a large group of people. Right. How do you guys feel about that, that term? All, it's all in context. Oh, it's yeah. all in context. I mean, um, with that particular routine, and Zian Zansari, 
um, it has a little bit where he talks about um, stabbing people for gay rights. <laughs> being approached on the street with something like you want to, you got some time for gay rights and he's like no I got it I'm really busy and he goes into a Jamba Juice and the guy gets all upset and he's like well actually friend in there uh, no, a guy in there said some really hateful things about a gay friend of mine so I was going to go in there to stab him and then I pull out two knives and I hand one to the guy at the clipboard and say do you have a moment for gay rights <laughs> <laughs> and so so the context there is we already know where he's coming from and that that sort of attitude. But I feel like that's always been a part of comedy. I mean, back to Red Fox mm-hmm. and, you know, Motherfucker Records and all of that. I mean, this is not something that's new. And that's part of the beauty of, of stand-up is it is kind of that raw edginess um, and that kind of, oh, that's, that's naughty words, but it's still... It's part of the energy, I think it is. But I, th- I think you have a point there that it's like the, the comedians that turn turn me on and the comedians that turn me off, like the ones that turn me off do the kinds of jokes that like, hey, haven't you noticed that all of this type of group of people do these things? Um, I, I Like those kind of comedians, it's just like, oh, it's so tired, you know, and boring. And like you can just replace wh- whoever people don't like at the time with mm-hmm. another group of people. I mean, it's just, it's so And with dull. the East joke, it's not people who say stuff. It's a cell phone that's right. homophobic. You're right. <laughs> I mean, that it's that. Or it's him, or they're making fun of their own. They're making fun of their, their own, own problems. Or I, I like it when comedians take stereotypes about people and sort of and turn them on their head again like disagree with them and, and show how and show how they're ridiculous you know but kind of a little bit like with what Mel Brooks did with Blazing Saddles then exactly, uh, with, exactly. with constantly using the uh, and, derogatory know, African American term the, also known as the N-word mm. And I'm so not street enough to actually say the word. It's okay. But, <laughs> but the, the, even though I've got my cap turned backwards and everything, you know, but the... Crack it, please. <laughs> but with, with him, you know, the, a lot of people say that's a very racist movie, but every character that uses any kind of a, a racial epithet is so... is portrayed in such a ridiculous fashion that right. they look stupid for doing it. Right, and it's... Um, it's like, you know, it's like Cartman in, in South Park, who's a horrible person, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, oh, how can this main character be such a horrible person? And it's like, the show shows him to be a horrible person. That's, mm-hmm. that's the point. It's not lauding the horrible behavior. It's right. showing that it's horrible and that it's unacceptable in, uh, in an everyday context. And the reasons why it's unacceptable. It's like, yeah, I like that. I mean, that's, that's um, Dave Chappelle's whole career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, really, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why he left the Chappelle show, because he realized how irresponsible that the show was being for a while. And, I mean, those are his words. That, yeah, that, I mean, it, it got to a point where it, it stopped being about what it started about. Yeah, where it wasn't about comedy anymore or about looking at, at uh, social issues. And that's sort of social comedy. That's hard. I mean, that's really no, it's hard. Not, it's, no, it's, it's, it's much easier to make jokes about thread count and sheets. Uh, <laughs> like farts. sleeping on lotion <laughs> and farts and stuff like that yeah. and so it's really laudable when you find comedians who are able to do that and do it well on a regular basis like um, the Penny Arcade guys that they have this great um, podcast called Downloadable Content where they talk about the creation how they create their comic strips and have they gone back to that because for a while they were just talking I... about their gaming and I got bored <laughs> I th- they they take long hiatuses between it, but um, yeah. I really enjoy it because there's this one where they talk about um, 
how they don't want to keep going back to the penis well <laughs> to get their jokes. They're like, oh, is that just returning to the penis well? And I'm like, so I think it's interesting because to, to listen to them talk because they're talking about the creation of their, their strips and like how that, how that works and how they create comedy. Because I think it, it is hard. It's, it's hard. It's very hard. Uh, when I first started writing, I basically, I think I only wrote sad stuff. <laughs> Because comedy was just too hard. And I find that whenever I have stories that flop, it's always when I'm trying comedy. Always. I'll try to, I'll try to do something funny. Because you're such a funny person but, in conversation. But, but it's, it, it is hard. It's hard to translate into writing. It's hard to translate to all audiences. I find that a lot of times... I mean, sometimes I'll write something and people will say, that's hilarious. But then other times, it's just confusing. Because with, with comedy, you have a lot more... Um, <laughs> a lot more room to just confuse people, and people say, "I don't understand why that character did that. Why? Why did they do that?" <laughs> Which you say that's funny because in your reading was it yesterday? I, don't know, I have no concept of time anymore. That was Friday. It Sorry. was Friday. Okay, it was Friday, <laughs> a full day ago. Uh, what you had read was hilarious. It was really funny, and so for you to say that it surprises me because uh, having having been a fan of yours for so long, a lot of what you write. It's either kind of slap you in the face awesome or, you know, slap you in the face funny. I think, it, though, it, it took me a long time to, um, and a lot of uh, critique to get there, you know? A lot of people saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I think you really have to go, like, when you're doing comedy, like, you can't just, uh, I mean, I'm sure you know this with your imitations, you know, um, and when you're doing voices, you can't just do like an accurate Im imitation of how the person speaks. You almost have to go to the next level, like like a little above and beyond that. You're right. If I go around... You know, if I start talking to people like this, a lot of times they're not going to understand that I'm actually doing the real Marlon Brando, as opposed to... You know, everybody... You know, you have to do that character. One is an excellent impression, and the other is a funny impression. Right. There's a there's a difference, and you do have to go over that because we talked about that. That what makes written work funny um, when you don't have the bonus of having a performer is just going all the way over that top, right. so that no one can mistake how silly you're being. Um, and that's a it's a it's a hard line to judge. It's such a hard line to judge. Um, it's so much easier when because I have a background in playwriting. It's so much easier when you know there's actors going to be saying it. Because then you, they'll know this is funny, and they can, yeah. they can shove it. it the next direction. But with just the text, it is, it's harder. And you know that with with your reading, um, or a lot, it was it was well written. It was it was uh, funny to uh, just to listen to. But then when you put so much character into it, and the delivery, and even the posturing, it just brought out that, that extra little bit that just slayed the audience. Yeah. Yeah, I think the, 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 um, the delivery is really important and adds something. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we, uh, we saw the exact same thing at the, the tea party. Yeah. With some of the various uh, action-y things going on that uh, when a character is hanging out the side, it, it was so much funnier because when you're reading, you're just like, oh no. But the way you deliver it, it's just like, oh crap, what's going to happen next? You know? Do you find with comedy that like, when you're working on comedy, that you often have to take it to other people? 
to say and read it to them and give it to them and see how they react and really get a feel for that. I find that I don't really know if something is funny until I take it to somebody outside of myself. And I'm like, and I read it to them and I just watch their face. You know? yeah. Yeah, like, like, are you laughing? <laughs> well, the process that Christiana and I use when doing episodes of Roto is mm-hmm. usually we brainstorm it, come up with whatever funny we can in a bullet form. Right. And then we separately go and write it. And then when we come back to record it, mm-hmm. we usually do a run-through and we kind of punch up each other's stuff. But to... You, I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm confident that what I'm doing is is humorous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But to get at that extra level of funny, you want to make sure that somebody else reads it. And right. sometimes there's punch-up. Sometimes as they're reading it, uh, you can kind of pick up on clues about mm-hmm. what's working, what's not working, or what just flat out doesn't make sense. Because right. there are some times where some references can be a little obscure. And actually, Christiana and I, we kind of battle with that from time to time. Where um, one of us will say, you know, uh, we need to spell that out a little bit more. And the other person's like, no, seriously, if they don't get it, they're not our audience. We don't need them to to listen. Right. And so balancing that between, you know, yeah, we want people, we want smart people who who get our comedy to, like, (laughs) we want downloads, please. (laughs) So that's a pretty fine line to walk. But, but yeah, I I think that that having it, showing it to somebody else, having them, them get it. Right. Just is one of the coolest feelings, and then when they don't get it, then it's kind of like, oh, I need to do some more work on this piece. Yeah, absolutely. I re- I wrote this essay uh, years ago called "Evidence of a Baker," mm-hmm. and it was in the the Gospel of the Flying Spaghetti Monster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I, before I submitted that essay, I read it to. Um, my entire family, my mom, my dad, my brother, all four of my cousins, my aunt, my uncle, my friends, and I just like, and I would just watch where they would laugh and watch where they wouldn't laugh, and and then I would go back and change things, and then I would read the same essay to them. My my family is so patient, and I think I read them the same essay four times just to make sure that the laugh was right. So, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of work to be funny. It's a lot easier to be miserable. <laughs> it's a lot easier to be miserable. <laughs> that, you just need yourself with that one. Yeah, this is, this is sad and dark. And then the character shoots himself in the end. Oh, I'm done. Oh, and we're out. And we're out. It's all about irony. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is a conversation also from Balticon 2010. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that at the start of it. I don't remember. But this is my interview with P.G. Holyfield. P.G. Holyfield. Hey guys, still at Balticon 2010? I'm here with Mr. P.G. Holyfield. Hello there. Definitely a funny person. One of the funniest people I know, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting next to him, but I'm saying that because he slipped me a 20 earlier. Absolutely. But PG, what makes you laugh? Farts. Yeah? <laughs> See, a, a, a well-done fart joke can still be funny to intelligent people. It can still be people. funny. <laughs> um, probably the thing that makes me laugh the funniest in movies, TV, is when the dialogue... Um, is snappy and moves back and forth between characters that are at the top of their game and, you know, 
even go going back to whatever Abbott and Costello and, and just that type of you know, uh, the Marx Brothers that type of humor where the people are where the writing is good and the delivery is just incredible that's that's what makes me laugh most then you have uh, The Hangover which well, that's a laugh from the beginning to end has nothing to do with dialogue so you know it runs the gamut for me when it comes to uh, what makes me laugh so you the only like, thing it doesn't make me laugh is you, but I can't quite figure that out. That's fair. I'm not a very funny person. Um, I, I, I try to tell jokes. They always fail. Uh, it's more of an embarrassment thing. It's kind of a nervous tick that I have. It's kind of an OCD thing. Yeah, you know, I, feel, I normally feel uh, a little uh, overwhelmed when I'm around people like uh, you know Patrick McLean, who mm-hmm. has that dry humor that just kills yeah. every second because he's so intelligent. Um, and people like uh, Christiana, that's uh, that that is, is funny, mm-hmm. but in a way that um, just makes it makes it feel so natural to her because that it's just her being herself, and that mm-hmm. that comes through the naturalness of it. You, I never feel overwhelmed around you because I know I'm not really going to laugh very much at all. So. That's understandable. I mean, you shouldn't. I mean, it's just like if you're around a rattlesnake and you don't hear the rattle, there's no need to be worried. That's true. I don't think that's an accurate metaphor. No. Because <laughs> I'm imagining you uh, shaking your ass and making noise. Now, you are known to wear underwear on your head, apparently. You Well, uh, last night, yeah. Yeah, I saw a picture. <laughs> oh, have the picture's been released yet on Flickr? No, I saw one on Mr. Morris's phone. I don't know who took it, but the... <laughs> Probably un- the... the the gray underwear on your head or whatever color it was and just the funniest thing it just had this eye hole around the size of a, <laughs> of a grapefruit that your eye yes. and your part of your nose is just hanging out mm-hmm. what well, was confronting will, Senior will, Muerte I know it will appear on a wanted poster very soon let me tell you. <laughs> well he uh, we battled in the middle of the hallway and he unmasked me the man who won prom king true 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 over me that was a really good return on my investment for my, my costume. Really? You got that costume for the nerd prom? No. no. <laughs> In fact, I was not even going to enter. And uh, the, the flinstress said, I'm going to enter you if you do not enter. And, of course, when Terry says something, you, you do it because that's her power mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. especially when she's wearing an outfit like that again her power <laughs> so television what kind of what kind of television shows do you find funny you, you talked a little bit about you movies know, but what about television with television I really I don't watch as many comedies now because my TV time has gotten cut back so much because I'm actually trying to write and got the kids and um <laughs> You know, because as you know, my favorite show right now is Justified. Understandable. Probably it's like looking my... in a mirror. <laughs> you look like yes, Timothy Olyphant. Me and Timothy Olyphant. Many other people. Many I other like people confirm that. I like the cut of your jib. No, usually it's <laughs> in the. The listeners won't be able to see this, so I make a little sound. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see it. Other everybody else sees it though. Okay. Uh, Justify, which I think is a brilliant show, uh, but of course not a comedy. Probably my favorite show that's a comedy right now would be Phineas and Ferb, uh, which is a cartoon, a uh, children's cartoon. But of course it's a children's cartoon that is made for adults and made by people that are uh, far more intelligent than most of the people writing sitcoms today. True. Um, true. Well, what about it is funny? What again, it has to, well, um, you know, you got this idea. Well, with comedy with me, it's 
so like whether it's stand up or it's episodic television that's a comedy the bits that you come back to in different ways to reinforce the joke that was funny the first time is just part you know like the whatever they call it, the rule of threes when you're doing stand up and you you want to come back to that joke you know and, and at the end of your your set that's the joke you want to oh, get oh with a callback gotcha right. and so on, you know Phineas and Ferb they always have you know certain characters say the same lines but it's in what different ways <laughs> yeah what you doing and you got different characters saying that or, oh Perry uh, the Platypus yes and you have uh, Marshall Perry the Platypus um <laughs> <laughs> and then you have, you know, one, somebody's going to ask Phineas or Ferb, you know, my, aren't you a little young to be, you know, building a rocket ship to space? And they're like, oh, why, yes, yes, I am. <laughs> and they'll switch that up where, you know, either Phineas will say something to somebody else. And so there's going to be somebody that say, mm-hmm. says, yes, yes, I am. And just the ability to, to be self-referential in, in a way that, you know, people are going to get it, and people look for it in shows. Is makes me laugh. Well, with with kids, one of the ways that they learn and pick up on things is by repetition, which yes. is why a lot of times you'll yes. see uh, on Noggin that they repeat the same episodes, uh, sometimes for an entire week in the same time slot. So kids are learning those things over and over and over again. Yes, except for the one thing that really irritates the crap out of me as a parent is watching, which they don't show it as much anymore. What's the stupid show with the little four little space? Things in, co- in the costumes, and they don't talk. Me, 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 me. Got the one that carries the purse. That's the gay one. And um, oh, Teletubbies! Teletubbies! Yes. <laughs> See, I get you get it when I get to the one that carries the purse <laughs> exactly, and the gay one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but on that show, just because, just like you're saying, they play 15 minutes of show, and then they repeat the same 15 minutes for the second half of the show sure. for the same reason. But all it is for them is uh, we only have to film half of. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a cost-cutting measure. <laughs> Absolutely. So that, now, that's the type of thing. Gets now, you as a writer, have you ever thought about doing that? Just writing half a book and then just repeating the second half? I think that's what I did with Murder at Avedon Hill. Is actually. that why it took so long to finally get podcast? You kept dropping the same episodes in yeah, the feed over and over again, just changing the people numbers? People kept saying, I think, I swear I've heard this before. <laughs> could have been episode four and 24 were the same thing. It could be. You know what I like to do? I like to listen to Murder at Avedon Hill on shuffle. <laughs> It's still Wait, good. You're dead. How are you here? You <laughs> see, it becomes a much more complicated story if you do that. <laughs> but you know, with with the the repeating with the callbacks, we start to see that in a lot of comedy patterns, the the thought yes. process of patterns, uh, whether it's the rule of three or a callback or something like that, and the audience is able to quickly identify. Sometimes even seeing it just before it happens, feeling very proud that they saw it just before it happens, or are completely taken by surprise when it does happen. Right. Because most most things, it's just like once it's already gone over a topic, it moves on to the next one, not necessarily going back. But, I mean, even if it's something as stupid as, uh, uh, for some reason, at Dragon Con, a couple times at a party or somewhere, I said, um, you know, basically said, son of a bitch! Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, I now am pretty much known as the guy that says son of a bitch, and people <laughs> like um, Command Line sit in panels in the audience waiting for a moment where the son of a bitch will work and he starts doing this when again the listeners can't see me shaking my arms <laughs> just shaking his arms mouthing son of a bitch until I will do it so you know 
again the callback people like it so. mm-hmm. well for with you it's it's the delivery it's the slow ramp up to the sun <laughs> with with the holding on the s and then that little yes. bit of a grunt and then the quickly saying the son of a bitch while yes. rising in volume <laughs> Yes, and I didn't it, really give it a good one there because I didn't want to peek. But yeah, well, true. And, and plus, we're, we're you know we're in yeah, the dealer room in the, and you don't want to sell yeah, books. We're in, the, so. we're in the dealer room. We don't want to. So chase next time we'll just be like, "What? You didn't buy one of these books?" Then you queue it up. So, yes, but um, some of it is the pacing. You know, it's it's a very yeah. humorous pacing, and and then the the juxtaposition of the words that you're using as as a curse and a. Oftentimes, a loving way. It's something Absolutely. that's just going to click with people. I mean, it's never a. Actually, the first time that I really used it was during the Parsec Awards when Chris Lester won the uh, mm-hmm. won the Parsec that I was up for, and I just stood up and screamed, "No, <laughs> son of a bitch!" And you know, got the biggest laugh. So that was that was that was incredible. And uh, so now people just want me to say it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's just like jokes where you get. Um, that are never get old. I mean, all you gotta do is wait for someone to drop a line where you can throw in. That's what she said, right. and which know, seems to be a big matter. thing right now with uh, <laughs> thanks to the office, which I yeah I don't watch enough of. So I didn't. I just thought it was just something you did yourself. So you're stealing jokes like Carlos Mencina. I don't do that. <laughs> I don't say that what she said. Every I don't have to. Everybody else does. Uh, but you know what? For some reason, when Jet does it. It's adorable. Oh, yes. Absolutely. And, you know, Michael Scott does it in an ironic way. And what we're starting to see is the joke is slowly being used in a in a non-ironic... Well, actually, maybe backwards. When, when the character on The Office does it, he's doing it because he thinks it's hilarious. Like, when people do it in the real world, they're trying to do it ironically. Uh-huh. And a lot of people, if they don't understand that context, then they're just like, oh, you're God, that's so stupid. <laughs> but then other people will laugh at it, not because the, the phrase itself is intrinsically funny or how it's being used, but because it's a reference, reference to, it's to a callback the to right. The Office, something that they enjoy. Right. So can you think of any other ones that are like that, that may have come from... Hmm. I mean, things have been co-opted, much like you know, uh, Shatner screaming up at the... The heavens uh, come. Yeah, I think that's where "son of a bitch" really started yeah. from. Was that? That's where I got that idea. So standing well, up and yelling at the at the sky. Well, and Smar yeah. had that with his last name. What, what was that? Doctor John Smar. When when people would be like Smar. Yes, you know absolutely. that that yes. did a couple year run. Yes, it did. I'm sure he's glad that nobody does it anymore. I think we should he bring did, it back. He <laughs> did something though with his name last night at the bar, and I can't remember what it was now. Something about. More me. He added something at the end to make it funny. But I can't remember. Smart something me. about cupcakes. This is a cupcakes. Smart cakes. I don't think I'd want a smart cake. Well, that's his avatar on Twitter now. It's a cupcake. Oh, smart. So it must have had something to do with cupcakes somehow. Mm. But yeah, we hit a lull. <laughs> <laughs> as as an author, um, have you ever thought about injecting humor into your novels? <laughs> no, uh, now we got now we now we got back to uh, to the comedy. <laughs> well, no, how, how, not funny. No. How, um, do you, how do you put humor into? Because you have a very serious story. Yeah. No, how do you feel timing wise is the right place to put in humor, mm-hmm. inject humor into your story, without losing the the scene or the overall vibe that you need? Yeah. The um, yeah, like you said, and and that leads to a joke because we had our 
book launch yesterday. You you didn't you weren't able to come. Were you? Yeah, I wasn't able to. Uh, fortunately, I was off doing something else. Yeah, we had uh, it was Nathan Lowell and myself and Patrick McLean, and we weren't going to do readings. We were just going to schmooze and say a few words. Thank you for coming and and do that sort of thing. And we um, we ended up. Somebody from the audience said, uh, "Why don't you read from each other's books?" <laughs> so I read a McLean story and. Um, Patrick McLean read uh, Nathan Lowell's big coffee pot scene that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Nathan Lowell read most of the prologue uh, from my book. And in that prologue, as you may know, uh, well, you may not know, but <laughs> <laughs> not <yet. laughs> the, the main character, one of the main characters, gets killed, which is why it's called Murdered Abaddon Hill, because this character is killed. So it's a very, you know, moving, intense scene. And we, we finish up, and the first thing I do when I stand up is I say, and it's a comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> got, the, got the laugh. But, um, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, there's definitely humor in it, uh, because the, one of the things I concentrate on is uh, the the reality of the, the two main characters um, you know their relationship, and their relationship is one that they uh, push each other's buttons and and you know try to get a rise out of um, each other because one's sort of a teacher to the student type relationship. So he's always pushing a prod, and some of that is, is taken as, as humor. Uh, but uh, we did uh, Patrick McLean and I last year did uh, Flinchy in the Mexican Show Truck, which was just uh, you know those four short five minute episodes of of just. There really, was only four? There was only four episodes. It's like 20 minutes of audio at the most. Wow. And it was just him and me playing ourselves, but, you know, exaggerated versions of mm-hmm. ourselves where I'm just being my snarky self and he's being uh, he's being himself and, and I just basically give him a hard time and he lets, gives me all the good lines. Well, um, in the ready, he was the Mary and you were the Rhoda and that yeah. is absolutely backwards in real life. <laughs> yeah. You are the Mary. <laughs> I am the Mary. I wish I was the Mary. Um, but be that, yet, hasn't it? <laughs> It'd be a bunch of silence, and then my wife would die, and then I get a balloon. Oh. Oh. And yet somehow T is the mod. How's that? Anyway. <laughs> He's my brother. No, um, I yeah, but um, you know, Flinch in Mexico Show Truck was was my first foray into actually writing comedy. And yeah, it's all about timing. And with the audio form, that makes you know the timing even more important. And being able to do that with him, you know, because he is a oh, a, a truly gifted humorist. Um, and he could do stand up if he wanted to. And I think he has done it a few times mm-hmm. in his life. But um, he's so talented, you want to punch him in the face? I do it every day, but it, he never goes down. He not the back of the head. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I hope to do a lot more with him or without him because I do like like the form. It's harder than writing drama. It's easier to take. Okay, two guys with swords, they're gonna start fighting. It's a whole lot harder to, to do what you what you and Patrick and Christiana and everybody else that we love does. Uh, but I want to do more of it. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, PG. I thank appreciate you, being on the show, and we'll try to get a few more uh, opportunities for you to. Uh, for you to reality show. <laughs> show. So that way you will have you will be less bitter 
when you deliver the one or two lines that we normally have you do? Uh, you just keep trying to make me laugh, and uh, then, <laughs> then we'll, we'll talk about more lines. Thank you. Thanks, sir.